Welcome to the Woohoo Crew podcast, where cosmic culture meets pop culture, where we discuss topics like astrology, numerology, the mind-body connection, as well as sports, music, and entertainment. I'm your host, Brandon. I'm joined by my co-host, my pseudo-guru, Cheryl. We are the Woohoo Crew. Hey, Cheryl, my pseudo-guru. Welcome to episode nine. Let me start off the show as I do every episode by asking you, did you catch any woohoo this past week as we welcome in 2022? Woohoo, Brandon. Well, 22 is definitely a powerful number. Very excited about that. So I'm catching the frequency of 22. And yes, I uh, just did some breath practice with 10 toes. It was really fun. for explain, the 10th house. Explain what, <laughs> explain what that means, please. Well, since we're in Capricorn season and Capricorn currency is the 10th house, what our missions are in the world. So with the woohooers, we did a breath with the, the 10 toes. It's really fun. And that just gave me a lot of uh, woohoo currency. Okay. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely feeling a, a lot of woohoo and sensing a lot of currency around me, I had a I had a good talk with you a few days ago about where some of the Woohoo Craft members are and and how it's making some improvements in their lives and some you know some really great things that that I've heard from them and really just trying to figure out you know where you and I are going uh, with this and ultimately you know how can we. Uh, help as many people as possible get more woohoo in their life. Yeah. I love that. That's our, our mission this year. And um, I look forward to, to figuring that out and working with them to see what their needs are. A bunch of them are on the call today with the 10th house and talking about our missions and helping each other with our missions. That was really, really powerful. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. All right. Great. We'll, we'll see you back here for the first quarter. First quarter, reason for the season. Woohoo! Okay, first quarter, Cheryl, what's going on in the cosmos? Well, it's Capricorn season, and we just have a new year, which is interesting because January 1st isn't really an astrological or astronomical or historical. It's not? No, it's not a date like that. So it's, it's interesting. And since... It is since since January 1st has been celebrated as a new start, a new year, a, a day to make new goals, new resolutions, new intentions. That's a portal for all of us to, to actually do so. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's in Capricorn season, which is where we we do set intentions and we work on our 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 mission, why we're here and be disciplined in that and focused in that. So it, it's, it's a time for all of us to be considering that. So that's interesting. So that's one of the attributes of Capricorn season. And, and just, uh, I won't say coincidentally, cause I've learned that there are no coincidences, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's also a time when the first of the year where everybody's sort of, you know, coming out of this holiday hibernation and parties and eating and drinking and, and probably not working as much as they have. And so everybody's coming back, <laughs> trying to refocus and 
Mm -hmm. go to the gym and eat better and, and basically get their life back on track in a positive way, or at least uh, overcome all of the, uh, you know, maybe the perceived negative things that they've been doing for the last month. So that's, that's an, it's an interesting sort of parallel with, with Capricorn season. For sure. And if you think about Capricorn has that impulse toward great work, doing great work for society. So I think that helps us with our intention setting so if you want to, let's say, work out, you want to get stronger so that you can handle actually doing what you're supposed to do. You can handle it, especially if you have people who don't like what you're doing. You need to have the strength to be able to handle that. So if you put that into your attention as well, like, okay, I'm going to be lifting weights or I'm going to be doing more push-ups or handstands or lifting my arms up for 30 minutes during a meditation or whatever it is that you're getting strength from. Why is that the deeper reason why you need that strength so that you can have the strength to do what you're here to do in the world? But how does somebody, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's widely known and the lack of time that people are able to stay with these, uh, these resolutions or these initiatives that they start, you know, doing on January 1st. Why is that? How, how can people, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's pretty obvious why you know, it, it tends to taper off sometimes as soon as like the first week of January, but how yeah. can some, how can somebody keep it going, you know, throughout the year and maybe throughout the rest of their life? Don't make it so unattainable. Like if you're, if you do not, let's say you want to start walking every day, but you have been sedentary for a year or so, then maybe start off with, I'm going to walk five minutes a day or I'm going to walk once a week, you know, something like that. Um, if you need to be more more hydrated then start off with, I'm going to drink one glass of water with lemon every morning to hydrate myself, start with small victories and then have a way that you can celebrate them. I think that works more easily than go. It's sort of like if you run, you know, and, and you run too, if you start off too fast and then you you're out of breath, you know, so, so make small minor adjustments. And I find if you make them with, the currency of the day or what, and, and as well as the season, that's going to help too. So maybe you're exhausted. Well, how about moon days? You start doing restorative practices, making sure you're hydrated, tuning into your emotions, getting more emotionally intelligent on moon days, things like that. So, um, maybe you need to be more communicative. You want to communicate more with your loved ones. So maybe write them letters or emails or call them on mercury day. That just to me makes it more fun because the whole like, I'm not going to eat gluten, you know, I also feel like the whole I'm not going to do something because, you know, as humans, like who wants to be told what not to do, right? It's mm -hmm. much more fun, like what to do. So instead of all these things that you're not going to eat or not going to consume, what if it was what you are and just not making anything bad or wrong? Yeah adding nutrients and then the reason for the nutrients that yeah. would tie in with your mission of why you're here. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. You know, a little trick I learned because I find myself, I'm, I'm kind of a habit guy. I, I, you know, I have a routine and habits and, you know, I just, I, I like structure in my life, but one of the things, so I, I've been very intrigued by the, the process of trying to build a, a a positive habit in your life. And one of the little tricks I learned was, and this may just work for me, but not to talk about this 
positive change you're making in your life. And there's an interesting reason as to why it works for me, you know, and I, and I think when you, when you start to verbalize and tell people, Oh, I'm going to go to the gym every day, you sort of have already convinced yourself that you're already doing it and that you've already achieved something. It's a weird little psychological thing that again, works well for me. Not sure it's going to work well for others, but I tend to keep those things to myself until they become a habit. And then it just, you know, it may come out in general conversation. Oh, I like that. I mean, that probably has to do with the fact that your son is in Scorpio, <laughs> right? Because we like to do things privately. I don't, I'm, I'm the same. My moon's in Scorpio. I do not like to talk about all the rituals and, and routines that I do mostly because it's so many and it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I'm very private about those things as well. So I don't announce that kind of stuff either. Yeah. And that, I like that, but for some people, perhaps announcing it and having a, um, like a, like a, a person, like a, um, what's that called? Somebody who when keeps you, you accountable, accountable, accountability yeah. partner or accountability yeah. group that, that can really help as that well. That can help too. You're right. So yeah. I guess it's a matter of finding what's going to work for you by, you know, taking a few of these things that have worked for other people. Uh, mm -hmm. but that's interesting. Well, we wish, uh, everyone out there listening, good luck, any, any <laughs> positive things you're trying to do. And ho hopefully a few of these things helps. Yeah. Um, and the, the woohooers they've, they've, cause now they've had since, let's see, since Libra season when we started, so they've had a different breath every day, right. That goes yeah. with the astrology and the days of the week. So I, I encourage them to pick one breath that they could do for their own amount of time each day and be their own authority with leading it. It's been interesting to see which ones that they've chosen. And I think that's really helpful too. I mean, definitely that's a way to, to me, that would be the, the but I'm definitely, I, I guess I would consider it biased, right? Um, <laughs> to pick a breath to, to do each morning and perhaps something to hydrate with. Those are two really amazing things that you could start with Yeah. to cool. start your day. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, happy new year, 22. It's a big year and you have 11 in your, right? Cause you were born in November. So your November, so 11 is your karma. And I was born on the 11th day. So it's my Dharma and then 11 twice to 11 and 11 is 22. So it's twice the power of 11. So it's a, a very powerful year 22 that year it's a it's a the number of double 11 so that anything is possible it's all about your perception and i think in this day and age perception is one of our great greatest currencies it's how you're perceiving things yeah cool so to consider that with your intentions all right well i'm excited i'm excited for 2022 thanks for sharing okay me too Okay. All right. Bye-bye. We'll see you back in the second quarter. Second quarter. Woo wire. Woohoo! We're back. Second quarter. I tell a story. Pseudo Guru channels a cosmic force on the woohoo wire. And we ask that cosmic force a question about my story. Today, I want to talk about Tiger Woods, arguably one of the two best golfers of all time, one of the most famous men on the planet, a once-in-a-generation icon. But he also had one of the most spectacular falls from grace that we'll ever see. Tiger was a golf prodigy, started playing basically when he learned how to walk. He shot a 48 
at age three. He broke 70 at age 12. So for those of you that don't play golf, those are incredible numbers. Many people play golf their entire life and they never break 70. I'm one of them. He did it at age 12. His biggest influence in his life was his father, Earl. Earl taught Tiger the game of golf. He taught him his work ethic, confidence, and just about everything else you need to be a champion. And beyond golf, by all accounts, Earl was a great father. But Earl, who was married to Tiger's mom until he died in 2006, wasn't the greatest husband. In fact, it was pretty well known by everyone around him that he had multiple affairs. In a recent documentary, Tiger's high school girlfriend recalled this phone conversation that she had with Tiger where he was crying to her on the phone that not only was his dad out with this strange woman that night, but Earl didn't try to hide it from his son. And that last part really bothered him. So Tiger goes on to play college golf at Stanford, turns professional at 20, wins his first major, the Masters, at age 21, and goes on to be the number one ranked golfer in the world for many years. So you have this guy, Tiger Woods, a golf prodigy since he was three, a black kid playing a predominantly white sport, a number one role model in his father, the greatest dad in the world, but a terrible husband. Tiger's in his 20s making hundreds of millions of dollars single-handedly changing a major sport in black communities and around the world. Probably the most famous person in the world and hugely respected. He really didn't have any flaws that the public could see. It's an amazing place to be in your 20s. You know, just imagine what that would be like. Here's a quote from Earl about his son, Tiger, in 1996, before Tiger won that Masters at age 21. Just to give you an idea of some of the pressure he he was feeling. The quote is, Tiger will transcend this game and bring to the world a humanitarianism which has never been known before. Sometimes I get very emotional when I talk about my son. My heart fills with so much joy when I realize that this young man is going to help so many people. The world will be a better place to live in by virtue of his existence and his presence This is my treasure. Please accept it and use it wisely. So it's pretty obvious he's he's proud of his son and and that they have a tight relationship. But man, I mean, talk about pressure. My son will transcend this game and bring to the world a humanitarianism, which has never been known before. I mean, wow. So Tiger gets married in 2004, around the age of 29. Then his father... Earl unfortunately dies a couple years later in 2006 and expectedly tigers crushed so much so that he considers quitting golf. Now his dad was also in the special forces in the army before tiger was born. So probably due to that tiger becomes obsessed right after his dad dies with the Navy seals and he starts training with them, skydiving, shooting, combat training, his close friends, like, actually thought that he was going to quit golf and join the Navy SEALs. He ultimately kept playing golf, but the training he did with the SEALs likely caused permanent injuries to his back and other places that would end up hurting his playing ability for the rest of his life. But before we get there, 
we have that famous 2009 incident, which became front page news for several months and, and began the greatest fall from grace that we're ever going to see. Tiger was caught cheating with several women and the details that came out of, of each of those affairs were unbelievable and salacious and, you know, any other word you can throw in there, you know, his, his life as he knew it was basically over. He was ostracized from the golfing community. His friends were bailing on him. Endorsements were pretty much all going away. He was publicly embarrassed and humiliated in front of the entire planet. And he just lost his, his, his dad, his best friend. He lost his wife. They had two young children, by the way. He was often injured and, and couldn't even do the one thing that he'd been doing since he was three. Now, I'm not excusing any of his, his bad behaviors. He brought, obviously, that upon himself. But I'm telling you all this to set a stage for uh, what is a fascinating story up to this point in his life. And then an even more incredible next act where he improves his public image and works hard to regain his health and even wins another major championship in golf just a, a couple of years ago in Augusta. I was actually at that Masters tournament that he won in 2019. And I could say that the, the noise and the energy from the crowd towards Tiger was as loud and crazy and energetic as anything I've ever seen. And I've been to a lot of sporting events. There was so much electricity in the air and everybody wanted to see this guy who might be the greatest ever, who just went through many years of complete turmoil, get back on top again. I mean, it was, I don't even, I can't even describe the, the atmosphere uh, at Augusta national 2019. So my question is, how does someone with that great of a rise to the top and an equally great fall to the bottom manage to climb that ladder once again and regain that legendary status? Saturn present. Hey, Saturn. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for taking the time to call on me. Good Absolutely. to be here. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for helping us out here. So, uh, so you heard the story, I assume, correct, about our friend Tiger? Yes, okay. yes, and I'm familiar with him. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, he has a lot of my qualities. He's a Capricorn, and so, I rule a Capricorn. Okay, so tell me more about that. Well, I rule Capricorn, and so he he's already disciplined. He's been that way his whole life. The main tenet of Capricorn and Saturn is to never, ever give up. So to know your mission in life and to never give up and to be responsible. He knew at a, at a young age what his mission was and what he wanted to do. And then his father as well had the energy of that determination, that leadership, helping him hone it, that dignity and that capacity, the Capricorn, the capacity to build what he was building, which, as you said, was something new for humanity. Yes. Yeah, I would say, I mean, his, that was his father's words, but I would say he achieved that to some level, you know, arguably, you know, there were there were some that were much greater humanitarians, but his impact on the world is, is not debatable. Yeah. So he, 
he understands time and space and cause and effect. And he used his time to honor the commitments and to complete his life quest tasks. So he knows what to do with time. He doesn't waste time. And often we, I see this with those that have a lot of my archetype, my, and and Capricorn and, and Saturn is that they work so diligently and then they don't let off steam. And, and then it happens in like, in his case, it's, it's too much. Like he had too much. He also has me in Leo, which is if you understand tarot, it's the, the five of wands. It's a message of strife. So it's an active force. It's an inner conflict. It's that passion. And it can sometimes that, that inner conflict of passion being misused. So that's the, the game of having me in, in Leo. Leo is all is passion and fire and fun. And with my energy there in Leo, it can get misused. So it can go either way. Like if somebody is too scattered or lost or distracted, then, then that strife can help them get back their, their active force. And if they're gallivanting around with everything and nothing, and they need to remember to get, to get disciplined. So that's the game that he signed up with, with having me in Leo, Saturn in Leo to remember to fuel the right action, to focus and calm the mind and end the confliction. And he did that. And we all got to see him did that, do that. He, yeah. yeah. I mean, at age six, right. So also with me is you see these patterns with me, like at seven and 14 and 21. And then at 28, I, I come back to exactly the house and the sign that I was in when you were first born. Cause I, I, I think you're familiar with me, right? I'm very good looking. <laughs> I, have, I, I didn't want to embarrass you, but yes. Yes. I have those beautiful rings and I'm also, also as big as I am, I'm not very dense. Like earth is so dense and we laugh about earth's density and in a playful way, I don't have that density. I have in, in that beauty of the, of the ring around me, I, it's almost as if I'm floating. So at the age of seven, he had already played in a, right with Sam Snead, right? right? So he was already doing that. I think he did that at six. And then at 14, another big, another time that I, I come, my energy at 14 is, and he, he was the youngest player. He was, I think he was named a Southern California player of the year. So already at these milestones, these the, above my milestones that I work with you on the seven, the 14, and then 21, he played yeah. his first full year. And then, you know, at 28, around that time is when it's a, it's a big moment for all of us. When we turn 28, for all of you is I come around. And if you're not in alignment with your true mission, I will my energy will help you get back into alignment. And often it doesn't feel good. So I am the contraction. I am the discernment. I am the boundary and what will help clear away any nonsense that's getting in the way of your mission. So that's what I do, particularly on those years. Yeah. So you're basically, you're basically riding the ship at that point. 
Yeah. And I mean, I'm the, I'm the master of time. So I think you, I'm sure you're aware of that. So I give, I give you big worldly upgrades. I do that for the world. And then I also do that for humanity. So if you watch like, like Tiger Woods, the, the work that he puts in to make it fluid, that's my energy working with him. Like the pressure is on like to work with the pressure of the planet and for him to, to not only learn life lessons, but his life lessons that he's learned that you're able to, to see his life lessons as well. And for all of you to have values that are understood by others and to make choices that reflect the greater good. That's, that's my doing. So how does it, you know, go, all right. So let's go back to tiger after the scandal came out in 2009 okay and he's you know as i as i mentioned earlier so his dad had recently died let's say three years prior he died he's his body's just tore up from this navy seal training you know he's already been considered the best one or two golfers ever so he's already achieved that and you know he's just he's in a public embarrassment He's got mil- hundreds of millions of dollars and he could just walk away and disappear. Hell, he could go buy an island in the Caribbean and, and never be seen from again. And with, with all of that going on and then just sort of that lost feeling like, you know, how did I get here? Imagine like after a night of drinking and you, you know, you're just, you wake up and you're like so hungover and you're just, you can barely remember anything. You're just like, how did this happen? How did I get here? What, you know, that's probably like on a scale magnified a million times where his head was at because he he lost his i mean his north star was his dad was was uh you know was gone and and everything around him his world had crumbled how does he pick it back up and and get back to climb that mountain again well don't you think that's the greatest that's the greatest right there that he did that right he had that impulse toward great work that fascination with what's difficult, that's the most difficult. How do you come back after that? That that he learned the lesson, he learned the patterning of ancestral heritage. Didn't he do the same thing that his dad had done? Yeah. And he saw yeah. it happen and then he did the same thing. Exactly. So that's a pattern. That's that's what I am here to teach you. I'm the Lord of time. So I embody your karmic inheritance. That's what I help you know. The embodiment of your karmic inheritance, the lessons and patterning of your ancestral heritage and how you conduct it in your lives. So if there's any way that you can clear out a pattern, an epigenetic pattern, and he did that, and he did that in the public eye to show that not only did he messed up according to society's morals and values and most likely his own, he saw what he needed to do to get back. He was responsible. He responded. He was able to respond. And he used that force of me to help him get back. He, the, that desire to get at what's right. And anything that wasn't right, he cleared out. And I think even going through the um, the boot camp, you know, that's, that's helpful. Cause we get to the bones of the issue. I rule the bones. So he got to the bones and the skin and what holds him together, what holds him up. That's me. And almost as if he, he, 
in a way he had a death, right? Like he had, that's, that's what I helped do too. Like he had, he had to, he had to have that in order to come back and, and kind of a metamorphical death and kind of a decreation. And he, he needed to do that in order to come back powerful to teach us that we can come back, that not to do that, not to just hide under the covers, you know, cause it's not about the money or the fame. It's about when you mess up and how can you come back? Yeah. Yeah. That discipline that's called discipline. So he was, he was disciplined, this Capricorn energy. He was able to infuse his morality and his integrity into his social position. And he embodied self-determination and focus. And he came back, he, he, he came back to what he wanted to master. And yes, he mastered the art of golf and he mastered the art of apologizing from what I see, and I'm a far out planet, but I see, cause I rule time and space. And from what I see, all of you, all of the humans that, and animals, like all, all you have these, these quirks, these, these places, these shadows, these things to work out. It's, it's the game and we help you work it out. So I help you really get efficient and clear it out. I help you with your large scale plans and your standards. And then Jupiter helps you expand. So my, my colleague Jupiter, and you, you, you work with both of us, but I help you achieve the high ambition by clearing out, by being a really stern disciplinarian. I'm the stern one to help you accept responsibility for your actions. They call me, at, they call me the truth and reconciliation commissioner. That's what yeah. I'm called in the galaxy. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I just help with cause and effect because that's something to learn. So it's not about always doing the right thing because that's almost impossible. It's about when you slip and when you mess up and when you're as bright as he is, when you're as high a frequency as Tiger Woods, he has that name, Tiger and Woods, both high frequency words. And what he came here to do with all that lightness, there's always a shadow. Yeah. And it's, it's about owning it, owning your shadow. And what are you doing about it? That is the greatest impact for humanity. Yeah. Great stuff. Thanks for uh, looking out for our friend Tiger. And I'm sure you've probably looked out for me as well. Many times. Uh, yes. <laughs> thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here and keep, uh, yeah. keep watching over us. Yeah. And reach out to me anytime or just touch your, your middle finger. That's, that's the antenna to me when you need a disciplinarian, when you need focus and discipline, and also remember to be careful of not canceling. That's a thing you're all doing now, right? Canceling people because of their shadow, like let them, let them own their shadow and see what they do with it. Like he did. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's great to know. Okay. Thank you, Saturn. Thank you. This week's show is sponsored by Saturn. It's the planet that helps you with discipline and discernment. So call upon Saturn to catch the currency of step-by-step follow-through.
third quarter, the interview. Woohoo! Okay, welcome back to the third quarter. We have a very special guest today. Cheryl, who do we have? Who are we talking to? We have Bruce Crawford. Wow. Yeah. I've heard a lot about this man. Yes, my <laughs> husband, my main, my main man. Um, and he's a he's a true Capricorn. So welcome, Bruce. Welcome yeah. to the cast. Well, thank you. Uh, happy to be here. And um, I guess I'm a little confused. Should I be calling you Cheryl or Sudo Guru or Lady Inhale for purpose of this podcast? <laughs> Whatever you want, as you normally do. Yeah. Okay. Any of those, I'll, I'll answer to. A just, multi. Just no, no pet names <laughs> that you guys have behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> Snookums. No. There you go. No. Yes, I'm multifaceted. You can honor my multi, <laughs> the fact that I'm multifaceted. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. So it's Capricorn season. This is your season. And Woo-hoo. Brandon, Bruce has a lot of Capricorn. He has a stellium there like you do in um, yeah. Scorpio and Sagittarius. So he has a lot in Capricorn. And then he also has a bunch in Virgo, which is how him and I, I think that's our, what we have in common is Virgo. Sure. So with Capricorn, he has... Um, he has his son in Capricorn. He has his Mars in Capricorn. So he takes action there. He has his Mercury in Capricorn, how he communicates. He also, Bruce, you also have your Saturn in Capricorn and Saturn is how you create boundaries in Capricorn, which is very disciplined. So a lot of boundaries, a lot of discipline. And you also have your, um, your MC, which is your public and your professional life and and it's all all this is in the 10th house which is capricorn as well so you're meant to be very disciplined and focused and also figure figure out the hard things does that resonate with you like figuring out something that's a real challenge what what does that bring up for you bruce crawford i like to get to the bottom of things i like to figure things out i'm not afraid of things that are complicated maybe sometimes to a fault i'll overstep and try and (laughs) understand things that are a little bit beyond my realm, but at least I'll give it a shot. But yeah, that seems to make sense. Um, So is everything I have in Capricorn or am I, do I have any diversity out there? No, you do. Yeah. You have Virgo, you know, you're a Virgo moon, remember? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) So you have, yeah, I know you tried to drill drill it into me. (laughs) Yeah. You have three planets in Virgo and then you also have, yeah, you're, you're, and then you have your Aries, you know, your rising Aries. So this explains why you're a runner, why you're like, like to be number one, why you love sports, why you always played sports, you know, you're, you're, you're disciplined. Um, and then the, the warrior, the Mars energy of working hard with your discipline. So everything makes sense, but yeah, you're not all Capricorn, but you have a lot there, which, which is discipline and focus and self-determination and, and figuring out what's hard. Like that's, that's, I think that's something that you do. Like we all know that your you know, our daughters and me and anybody who comes into contact with like anything we need help with fixing. And I, I know that I totally take advantage of this, that you'll just figure it out, you know? So, um, masterfully, like you just, you'd figure anything out. Like, so, so for instance, Mm -hmm. when I had long ago back in the day when I needed help with a website and I was paying somebody an outrageous amount, ridiculous, not outrageous, but I was paying somebody to do a website 
and you said, I could build you a website that's better. And I don't even know how to do that. And then you did it like that, you know? And so like anything that needs to be figured out, anything that breaks, mm -hmm. you're able to, to fix it. And you're also, it seems like you have a, a fascination with, with what's difficult. And then you, like everything you do, you do with greatness, right? Like, I don't think you do anything sloppy. Uh, I'd like to think so, but um, you can always get better, of course. Well, see, that's, yeah, a, that's a Capricorn <laughs> attitude, right? <laughs> always get better. And then you got all that Virgo in there. You can always be mm -hmm. better. But yeah, like everything that you do, you do, you do well. And then people mm -hmm. can count on you. You're the one that people can count on with your not only your discernment, but anything that happens, like, you know, messing up a car, mm -hmm. for instance, like you're there to help take care of, you know, that that's your, um, so was that just a random example or did that actually happen? It's <laughs> 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 happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wonder if Sarah, if Sarah Jane's going to be listening to this broadcast, but yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. that was a pleasant surprise on my birthday where we had a, a little mishap in a parking garage. And, um, we had, we had to help our oldest daughter out just a little bit and, and we're still dealing with it today, but. Mm -hmm. We don't want to go too much into that. Sure, sure. Well, she comes from a lineage <laughs> on my side of driving doesn't make too much sense, but it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty funny what she did. She, she went forward on a, I was calling it a meridian. It's not a meridian. It's a um, medium, right? No. What's it called? Those things, those cement things. It's one of those concrete barriers between parking spaces and yeah. parking garages, yeah. which yeah. apparently are hard, hard to see when you're in the driver's position. And so she just assumed <laughs> she could go forward right on over it, which, um, I mean, I, I should laugh about it because I mean, she's an aerospace engineer, very smart, very intelligent. <laughs> right. right. And, and, you, and you would think, you know, she would sense a little bit of resistance when she tried to go forward, but she, she, she just gunned it and not went over, not just one, but two of them <laughs> and just tear, tearing the undersides of our, uh, mini Cooper. Um, so mini Coopers are great. They just don't have a whole lot of, uh, vert verticality between the undercarriage and the ground. So sure. don't go over cement barriers. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. That's, and it's good that we can laugh about this too now. Yeah. We were laughing about it pretty much while it was, well, we didn't laugh. I mean, we laughed about the whole waiting on a tow truck thing, but that's, so that's where you, you shine, Bruce. That's one of the things like, yes, you were there. We went right away when it happened and then you knew exactly what to do called AAA. And then when AAA said they were going to come and didn't come, by the way, AAA is not sponsoring this podcast. Um, you were able to have, <laughs> you were able to get really firm. That's the Saturn. You were firm when you needed to be. And, and then finally you let them know you're going somewhere else. So that's, I love when I get, cause you're very often this even keeled and sweet and kind, you know, and, and fun and, and, but then I get to see those like discerning moments of, um, you know, with somebody like that, like that didn't, that's not being ethical or whatever, or I guess AAA, they were just overwhelmed. But when they, when somebody says something that they're going to do and they don't do it, I think that's a big, um, trigger for you to respond with your discernment and, that, and that's the Saturn mm -hmm. energy. Yeah. And you've had to do that with me a few times over the years, like, it, you know, when I've been utterly ridiculous maybe and then i've got to see you do it with the girls not often but when you did you know that's that was your saturn <laughs> but mostly yeah. i see it with yourself because you're really disciplined so what 
what we're interested in is how, and now, you know, during your season and with New Year's, a lot of people have resolutions or intentions. How is it that, you know, you get up each day and you just start working, whether you're working on your, you're running or you're working like work, work, or you're working on keeping the, the bones of our household together. How, like, does something motivate you? Like what, what prompts you to get up as early as possible, like three, four, five, and keep going all day? I never always used to get up early. Um, in college, I was not such an early riser, but that was due to other factors. Um, <laughs> but the reason I like getting up early is because you can get so much done in the early hours when you're just so fresh and so awake, whether it be going out to exercise or reading about something interesting, whatever it might be, whether it be intellectual or physical, I, I tend to more to trying to get my exercise in during that time of day before the sun comes up, just because um, I'm more alert than I'm, I don't wake up as a sleepy person. I wake up very awake and ready right. to go. Yeah. So I want to take advantage of that window as best I can. So you understand time and you understand that that time before everyone else is up is that precious time we call the ambrosia hour and, and that mm -hmm. you get a lot done. It's, it's very efficient to do those things. Do you wake up wanting to run or wanting to work out or do you like, does that fuel you? Is that what gives you like woohoo currency or do you have <laughs> to force yourself to do that? I don't, I'd be lying if I said I wake up and I want to go running all the time. There are mornings when I don't want to exercise, but um, once you get into it, a lot of people will tell you this, that it's just a matter, you know, it's a matter of getting out the door, taking that first step. And then once you're there, um, you're over the difficult part and it, it gets a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the other thing about exercising or running, like today, I didn't go running with the, my, my normal group. I just went off on my own. Um, and a lot of times it gives you a chance to be by yourself and think and, and, and take in the day and actually plan your day. So it's a, in a way, it's sort of a, uh, at least my form of meditation in a way to try and clear my head a little bit and, and get focused and ready for the day that's coming ahead. And you also have a meditation practice. I remember our 20th anniversary, you started meditating mm -hmm. with me. So that was 10 and a half years ago. So you're still doing that too, correct? Throughout your day. Yeah, I, I, I still do that. Um, I can't say it's a daily routine, but I, 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 I do it when I, I feel a need to do it. Usually it's when I get really unfocused or I can sense myself not really being in sync with what I want to be doing. And that usually happens towards midday. And, and fortunately, I can shut my office door and, and, and take like a 10 or 15 minute meditation break. And that seems mm -hmm. to work for me when I, when I come out of it. Mm-hmm. So what would you say gives you like lately the woohoo currency, that feeling of ecstasy, that ecstatic approval with the cosmos? Would you say running? Lately, it's being able to run and, and feel like uh, I'm actually in shape and it's actually enjoyable as opposed to struggling with it. And once you, once you get that feeling, once you get over that, over that hump, that's what gets me energized. And it's, and it's something that's, just doesn't happen while you're running, but it also carries in for the next three or four hours. And then, <laughs> then you want to go do it again, but obviously you have to wait till the next day. But yeah, just this morning was fantastic, even though um, I took a run around Emory and, and it was a chance to not try and go very fast, but just be within myself. And temperatures were a little bit on the chilly side, but invigorating. And a little bit? Running around. 
<laughs> Holy yeah. cow. But if you're a Capricorn in general, right, in, in, in this um, part of the, the world, the Northern Hemisphere, you're, you know, the tendency for Capricorns that would be that, that winter is their season because that's their season, right? So they can handle the cold. Yeah, I, I will take the cold weather over blazing hot weather anytime. And Brandon, I know you're from Florida, so you might have a different outlook on that. No way, man. I, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I hate the heat. So, <laughs> so I, I think you have really good ethics, like really good moral characters. Like I've never seen you do anything uh, immoral or unethical, like nothing like she told um, us she told us a couple of weeks ago that you wouldn't what was it that you wouldn't get over you wouldn't cut somebody off in a left lane to make a left turn was that the was that the <laughs> yeah you would not yeah, do well, that i don't I, even I mean don't cut think... someone off like like even if like or just even yeah. try to like like wiggle in between the car yeah. you know behind mm -hmm. you or something mm -hmm. well, yeah. yeah can you talk That's... about that like what's behind that i, I put a lot of it or I give credit a lot to my parents because when I was probably about, I don't know, five or six years old, we went on a ski trip up in New Hampshire and it was one family run ski area and they had a snack bar and there was just one cashier and I was hungry and was really wanted to eat a candy bar. So I went in there and when the cashier wasn't looking, I took a baby Ruth and stuck it in my pocket and, and just walked out. And then my mother, I sat down at the lunch table and I started eating the baby Ruth candy bar. And she goes, where did you get that? And I, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, I hemmed and hawed knowing that I was caught. And, and she knew that I had no money on me. Therefore I must've taken it from, from the snack bar without paying for it. So she made me go up to the cashier and admit that I had stolen that candy bar. And I was, I was, I was so afraid to do it because I thought I was going to get in huge, huge trouble. But it turns out the cashier was very forgiving and said, that's okay. Go enjoy your candy bar. So that taught me a couple of things. One that don't steal because your mom will make you um, <laughs> go do something very uncomfortable. And, but it also taught me about, you know, the kindness of the cashier and forgiveness. You know, the other thing, we weren't a very religious family, but one thing my dad always taught me was, you know, basically the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have do unto them. And I kind of learned that at an early age. And, and the, the story about like cutting in line or trying to cut drivers off, I can remember back to childhood when I was 11 years old, our Pop Warner football team took a trip down to uh, Florida to play in a quote, a bowl game, you know, as an 11 year old. But uh, we ended up going to Disney World and I was with a bunch of the other 11-year-old uh, football team players and we love Space Mountain. And we kept going up, ride Space Mountain, cut back down, get back in line. So about the fifth time we you know, got off the ride and went back in line and a couple of my buddies wanted to cut in front of um, this family as opposed to going to the very end of the line. And I remember the golden rule that my dad taught me and, and used, um, a lot of my empathy skills say, how would I feel if somebody cut in front of me? And I, I refused to do it. Whereas all my friends cut in line and I, I just went to the back of the line. So I kind of took that and apply a lot of empathy with anything that I do in terms of, you know, if someone would do that to me, how would you feel? So if there's a traffic jam, I'm usually the one will, you know, do the alternating as opposed to trying to go first. 
That's Good. Yeah. Kind of where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. Okay. So I got, a, I have a couple of questions. Sure. So you, uh, you two have been married for how long? It was 30 years 30, on the tw- 22nd 30. of June. It was 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 30 years. Congrats, by the way. That's pretty amazing. Thank you. Um, prior to meeting Cheryl, what, where was your, uh, what was your level of involvement in some of these things that we're talking about now, whether it's, we, we talked about <laughs> meditation. Uh, we just talked about your Capricorn and your relationship to that yoga, things like that. What was your involvement in those practices? Basically zero, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I knew of, I knew of horoscopes by looking at the, uh, at the newspaper. They're always underneath the comics and I could look at Capricorn and see what my day was going to be like or my year. I didn't put a whole lot of stock in it, to be honest with you, but um, Cheryl's been a great teacher. She got me into yoga. She got me into meditation. She, she's getting me to understand, you know, the astrological aspects and the human design. But I, I'm, I'm still a novice. So I, um, by listening to um, you two, your podcasts, and working with her as she's evolved into being a great teacher, I think I've learned a little bit from osmosis. Regarding the astrological, regarding, let's just say astrology. When did it kick in that you were somewhat interested in it or you things started resonating with you? I think when it's, it got grounded in the physical aspects of the planets and, and, and the way that the universe is aligned, I always need to, I don't know, I guess I like to be, you know, bring things down to evidence-based and to understand, you know, the planetary motions. And once Cheryl started to explain it to me a little bit more, it started to make sense. And so, you know, being to take the physical and, and, and migrating that to the spiritual, emotional, um, and not, you know, how, how you behave, how you act, how yeah. you interact with people. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And then as far as, uh, so meditation, is that something that, how long have you done that for just, I know you said you're sort of off and on and, and for myself, it's probably been an off and on 10 year thing that I've been practicing as mm-hmm. well well she um i think cheryl you said it was about 10 years ago we went off to what i called it meditation camp i mean she had been doing it for quite a while but mm-hmm. we went up had the chance to go to the high desert of california and i was of the mindset like i'm not really sure what i'm getting into but you had seen a but, huge shift in me that's why you you saw what ha- it did to me he saw that's evidence yeah. right he saw the shift yeah. in me which was tremendous so he wanted to meet my teacher mm-hmm. So that was, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was like, it was, and it was not a camp. It wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I know. It I mean, a camp. right. <laughs> but we called it that we was like a retreat. It's funny. You think of a retreat, but it's, it's heavy duty meditation. And then you practice yoga in between, but it was really powerful. And it, they, we were initiated with a mantra. So that's, that's what you practice and you still do. It's, it's mm. a, it's a form of transcendental meditation. Yeah. Mm. It was, it's fat. It's a fabulous training. So what would you say to anybody, yeah. Bruce, that may be interested in getting into meditation? People shouldn't be afraid of it. It's it's something that doesn't take that much to get into in terms of practicing meditation. It's just a good way to settle, you know, settle the mind and yeah. and, and let let things come to you as you're as opposed to like you trying to control the way your mind is working. Just just let it go on a you know freedom of, of thinking and, and see what happens and sure it'll be amazing amazing where it takes you and then 
when you, when you, when you're done, you just, you just feel a little bit more refreshed. So, yeah. 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 I have a similar experience. Okay. Well said. Yeah. It's like the, you know, how like our organs do a lot of them, the digestive organs, how they'll sift through what's necessary for us to live. And then what's not even should be in our body. And they clear that out. So meditations like that with the mind, it just filters out all this, this stuff, particularly our subconscious mind that we've picked up that we don't need anymore. So then we're, we're more focused with our mm. missions and visions in our mind. That's what it does. It like, it takes, it helps take stuff out, like vacuums out almost. That's what's so cool about it. I, I have found a lot of times when I sit down to meditate, uh, if I haven't done it in a while, it usually takes about a good 10 minutes to reach that, that space where you aren't worried about, you know, things that you haven't done or, you know, or things that just happened. You, but the more you do it, it's easier to get into that uh, meditative state where, where your mind is totally open to what may happen. And I can't say that I've had like out of body experiences per se. I felt like I've come close to a degree, but I always know when I'm in that meditative state when, and I don't know if, if this is where um, the band Deep Purple got its name, but I, I, I get these flashes of purple brilliance when I meditate. And I, I don't know if it's the way my eyelids are constructed as I'm, <laughs> as I'm looking through my eyelids or if that's something normal. But I know once I, I've reached that point that, yeah, I've gotten rid of my monkey mind and I'm, I'm now in that, that freeform state. Sure. Yeah. You're in a high frequency. So when you see purple, blue, yeah, there will be a high frequency. Okay. So Bruce, as we're kind of, as we're wrapping things up here, so I would be remiss if I did not ask a question for the listeners. Uh, is there anything that we would be surprised to learn about Cheryl? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not doing this to embarrass Cheryl, but this is, these are hard facts. Um, <laughs> when I, when, when I when I when I met her, uh, she was a school teacher, and um, she wasn't as always a healthy eater as you might suspect. And I I remember one time getting a call from her. She had to make a long drive from South Fulton County all the way up to North Fulton County, and to accompany her along the way was a bag of orange circus peanuts, which are these marshmallowy sugary things. <laughs> And she decided to eat a whole bag as she drove up 75, 85 into North Fulton County. So much to the point that she didn't feel so great because I think we're supposed to meet at a restaurant afterwards. And she said, I, I don't think I'm too hungry. <laughs> so um, she didn't always have the best dietary habits. Um, she also demonstrated her great cooking prowess. I think the first <laughs> meal she ever made for me, <laughs> I, I, I can't, it was like, spaghetti and corn nuts which are those crunchy hard <laughs> um, salty things and she thought that i might like that but it, it was quite quite a con <laughs> contrast in textures where you have this nice soft stringy spaghetti then you hit a corn nut and chip it through. oh man so. <laughs> hey you know what so my wife the first time she cooked for me and we were uh i was living in a like a small two-bedroom one bathroom house and she gave me food poisoning she gave herself food poisoning too <laughs> And, oh, uh, no. <laughs> and then we spent been a couple of days in this small little house, really getting to know each other. That's adorable. That's, so that's, I feel your pain, brother. I feel your pain. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I, think but, I uh, did that on purpose. Cause you were like, 
I think something happened. I did that on purpose, but I remember getting in trouble too, because I would teach in South Fulton County. And then I had to take a computer course. This is in the eighties, learning how to use a computer in the classroom all the way up in North Fulton. I think it was even before 400. Yeah. I got in trouble because I had all that sugar and I was disruptive. So they called the principal, my principal. <laughs> That's funny. And you were what, 20, 20, 24, 25 at the time and being yeah. told to go to the principal's office. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, listen, Bruce, thanks for, thanks for being here. That was, um, that was funny and enlightening and sure. it was, no, it was really it was a cool. pleasure. Well, yeah. Thanks Brandon. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. Mr. Bruce Crawford. Bye. Woo. Fourth quarter, this week's top four list. Woohoo! Okay. Welcome back to the fourth quarter. We say goodbye to Bruce and hello to the top four list. What do we have, Cheryl? Top four ways to honor Capricorn season. I like it. Number four, organize your time honor your time, set boundaries with your time. Okay. That's pretty self-explanatory. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that might mean getting up early, doing the things that are challenging, doing them first, you know, that you don't want to do paying attention to the time, how you spend it. Cause it's a currency that, that you can have control over. Yeah. Time management is a, is a skill set that is a, a problem for many people and has been a problem for me at times. Uh, what I have found best is to figure out what I need to do and then put a time value or stamp or figure out how long it's going to take me to do it. And then it's sort of like a puzzle, you know, for me each day is a puzzle and I, and I do my time management setting for the following day, sometime usually late, the previous day. And it's always a puzzle to figure out how much, you know, what I need to get done and how much I can, I can do or want to do. Yeah, for sure. And to see what, what time of the day is best for certain things as well. It's for, and everybody's different, you know? So that's, what's really interesting too. Yep. So just honoring it. And I like that you said the value of it because time is a currency and it's a value and how do you spend it? Okay. Number three, so build your capacity, your cap record, your capacity to deal, to handle, to contain. So you're able to do something challenging and whatever that takes when you're building your capacity, usually that would mean a physical practice and a breath practice, like perhaps um, one that requires holding your breath, like in between an inhale and an exhale or or after an exhale, which is a real challenge to build your capacity so that you, you can deal, you can hit, you know, you're not so fragile that you just, you, you can't deal with things that are, that are challenging. Yeah. Great. So people can count on you. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number two, get knee deep. Capricorn is the knees, the kneecaps get kneecap, right? Get knee deep in a skill. And pick a skill, whatever it is, a meditation or an, a, an instrument or something that you're creating, any skill, whatever it is that you have not done before, pick a skill, get focused, get to the point of it and try to master it, try to do it really, really well. Okay. That sounds fun. Yeah. Do you have anything in mind, like a good skill that we could try to hone in on? Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier for me, 
I want to increase my emotional intelligence. Would that be a skill? I think so. Okay. I think it would be a skill to, yeah, to respond. So that would be what's, what's coming next. Number, number one would be become responsible because when you're able to understand your emotions, where they're held in the body, which we do so much in woohoo, where, where they're held, what organs hold them, what signs, what archetypal signs and planets uh, help fuel them when you understand all that and then how to respond to them and with them. That's the emotional intelligence, how to work with the emotions and not repress, suppress so that you don't have a reaction afterwards regretting, right. Or, or, or it's just, uh, doesn't feel right because you, you feel like you could have been more intelligent in how you handled it. So that would be number one. That would, that would be a two and a one, like get, get that skill, really hone in on where your emotions are. And you could even try one, like maybe it's anger where anger is held in the body and learning about that. And then finding skills, ways to work with the anger, the, the breathing to help to help alchemize the anger into action so that when you are angry, you can take action as opposed to exploding. So all that sounds awesome. And I'm going to do that, but can I change my answer? You can. (laughs) Okay. I play a lot of tennis and the weakest part of my game is my serve. And it's been frustrating for several years. I'm going to master a powerful Fast, accurate serve. Wow. That's do what you I'm do it right-handed do. or left-handed? Righty. Okay. Yeah. Right, so I'll visualize that happening. So I'm gonna I'm gonna harness the power, the energy of Capricorn season. I'm gonna do the top four things that you just said, and I'm going to master finally a badass tennis serve. And then you could even put the you can put the intention of when I do this really well this serve then i'll be able to serve my emotions well or i'll be able to serve others with emotional intelligence so you can so i can combine my two yeah yeah okay Okay. and just make it more potent like combining it giving it more of a a reason to do the serve yeah Yeah. okay cool. i like that cool okay all right well happy capricorn season i think we have one more one more cast with that next week where we'll get into uh, the gallbladder, having the gall to do these things. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Can't wait. That'll be episode 10. Wow. 10. That's Ooh, crazy. 10 with it being, um, yeah, the 10th house too. That's very interesting. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing about your serving your service. <laughs> <laughs> I like okay. that it's called a serve. And, That's and, interesting. Yeah. Thank you for your service as well. Okay. Uh, thank you. You guys take care. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Woohoo. Thank you.